Let's open it to questions. What do you guys got? You said something about three laws of thermodynamics. I know yeah. we have one and two. Mm -hmm. Are we going to have a So the third law is off the top of my head, you can Google this, but uh, that. Um, it's, it's in the notes there? No, but it's in the textbook. The third law says that a system approaches a temperature of absolute zero, its entropy approaches a certain minimum value. So if, if the earth cools down, then chaos increases. Chaos increases. Increases, yes. Entropy is increased chaos yeah. or, or unusable if energy. It approaches a certain minimum value. Does that mean there's no maximum? Um, it's, it's like this. As, as the energy runs down, why isn't this working? As the energy runs down, it's going to get to, a, it'll never arrive at zero. It's like one of those graphs, you know, that that um, it's eternally getting closer and closer to the to the fun, to the y-axis, but it'll never touch it. So as it approaches, as entropy, how's it written again? As entropy, uh, um, as a system approaches the temperature of absolute zero, yeah. its entropy approaches a certain minimum value. So. I'm not super deep into this field. In fact, I barely know it. I just know the first two laws. But I think what this is saying is the energy is going to, to run down, 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 and then it'll just keep getting closer and closer to zero. Not zero, but there'll be no more usable energy practically okay. for forever as the temperature approaches absolute zero, which is like really cold, right? What is it? Yeah, I can understand that. No more usable energy. Yeah. That's basically what it's saying. Is that? How long have you had that? And won't it eventually just become a uniform color? Like there's different, this isn't mine, this is the Buchanan's. Uh, but there's different weights of sand that are also different colors. Ah, uh, okay, so therefore they tend to complicate. Yeah, so it's, it, it weight differentiates itself, which uh, is why it, what makes the cool colors. You want to play with it? It's very yeah. cathartic. <laughs> so when do we talk about aliens? <laughs> Uh, next week, yeah. Yes. So I've I've actually got a podcast called "What If God Was an Alien" on my podcast thing, and um, since we have time and uh, we can talk about this, uh, if science ever discovered God, they would call him an alien because he is not from here. He is, you know, an intelligent life form, intelligent, powerful life form that from somewhere else. And if you look at the biblical word "holy." I mean, holy obviously has a moral component, but it, it literally means set apart, different, not from here. It's, it's similar to the idea of, of an alien, somebody that's not from here, that's, that's different, which is why when science gets to the point where they say aliens must have did it or aliens is one possible... Um, the ancient astronaut theorists. <laughs> yeah, um, which the, the origins of life is one big issue where they're like, there's not enough time for sand to randomly create life. This is not Christians that are saying this. This is, you know, secular studies are saying this. Um, and they're saying maybe aliens seeded life um, on Earth. And I'm saying, yeah, I mean... Whenever science gets to the point where they're saying maybe an alien did it, I would take that as proof for God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it might be invalid, but I'm just saying if science ever, atheistic naturalists are always saying, why can't we look through a telescope and see God? And I'm saying if you ever saw God, you would call him an alien. Uh, 
because that's, the, that's how, how that would translate into your categories, is to talk about an alien. Now, the big issue with, with that is that when you speak about an alien, he doesn't have the moral component. And so then you end up with kind of, kind of the, um, the ancient, or the, um, the monster god of the Old Testament. Because if God did the things he did in the Old Testament, if he was just an alien, if he, did, if he wasn't morally you know, the center of all morality, he didn't have a right to do that. Um, and so the, that's the difficulty of speaking about aliens is that aliens don't have, they're not the center of goodness, yeah. right? So that's, that's kind of the danger there. We don't want to, we want to be careful with that. But are there any other questions? I've got through this material a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> Which is good. Just to try and be thorough, um, I mean, mind and matter are basically the two options. But if you're asking what else could there be that could have caused the universe, abstract objects is one thing that's eternal or that some people think are eternal. Uh, Something like a triangle, like a perfect triangle. Concrete, yeah. Okay. So, or like the multiplication table, right? So, somebody didn't. There's two ways of thinking of it, right? One way of thinking with the multiplication table is that somebody created it. The other way is to say somebody discovered it. Before somebody discovered it, it existed. It was true. And somebody discovered it. Now we know about it, but they didn't invent it, right? The same as a triangle. So, so back, you know, 2,000 years ago, the cutting edge was geometry. And as you, you know, you figure out the whatever, all the laws of ge- geometry. So geometry, the laws of geometry are true. Somebody didn't invent them. Somebody didn't make them. They couldn't be different than they are. They just are. And so that's where people are saying, well, the, the absolute, uh, there's an abstract object like a perfect triangle somewhere in the universe. Um, and like numbers are... The yeah, object. like I mean, numbers. The number yeah. three exists and always existed, but it, you can't hold it, you can't yeah. manipulate it, and it can't cause anything, which yeah. is the other thing. Yeah. And if, if we want to keep going with that, there's realists and anti-realists. So the realists are like Plato that thinks these things actually exist somewhere. I mean, this, this is probably where you're confused because we're, we're mostly anti-realists. So we say, these things don't actually exist anywhere unless you have a mind thinking about them. So these are, the realism and anti-realism are kind of the two different ways of, and Christians would tend to think these things exist in the mind of God. So God is thinking about them, therefore they exist. Mm. But. That's sort of how I see the internet. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Where is it? <laughs> it is among us and within us. <laughs> The cloud does not exist. You're just putting your files on somebody else's computer. It's scary that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, the one person that uh, I was looking at about that said so Dante's Inferno Whose computer, is an abstract object. No, that's right. The book of Dante's Inferno is not. Right. So the Inferno, the concept is somewhere. Isn't that just, just that? And you refer to it as it clarifies things just like the number three says. 
Who's got it out there? Any comments online? But also when you were talking about the vacuum earlier, and that, you know, there's nothing, and then it, it comes, and then it goes, comes back, goes, and, you know, it's just, it, it reminded me of something I've heard, because I watch a lot of Discovery Channel, sorry about that. Anyway, <laughs> and there's actually scientists right now that are trying to get what causes something to be. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that thing that makes it so that it stays, and just, not just, you know, why does it pop up all of a sudden to come into existence, mm -hmm. existence and then stays there? Sorry for, uh, I'm yeah. Anyway, so, um, what some scientists are suggesting right now is that it's a sound that okay. would Anyway, that's how far there are they are at with this right now. Hmm. That they think that the only thing that could cause it to come into being all of a sudden is the sound, and the, the fact that it goes back it's because somewhere the sound must stop. So anyway, I interesting. It's just There's all sorts of theories about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just I thought that was anyway. It, but it the curiosity. As far as I understand it, um, there's a, a category mistake in saying that these particles that pop into being from a vacuum, the, these subatomic particles, mm -hmm. that's different than universes. Mm -hmm. So people will tend, especially, I mean, it's great that you watch the, the, the documentary channel, but these places are famous for, and I, I know this because I'm familiar with the New Testament mm -hmm. history and first century history. And it's atrocious, the sorts of history that they, they throw together. And they're recycling stuff from 1920 and, yeah. and presenting it as a conspiracy theory that this is the... It's like, don't you guys even... So, but from what, I've under, from what I understand, there's a difference between um, things popping into existence from the vacuum and universes popping into existence out of nothing. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are two very different things. Obviously, the size. Yeah. But also, there's something there. There's energy that's turning into matter. Mm -hmm. And we know how to turn matter into energy. I'm not sure if we can go the other way around yet. But when you turn matter into energy, you have an atomic bomb, right? Uh -huh. Release a tremendous yeah. amount of energy. I, I've heard that you can actually increase the weight of something. If you heat something up enough, it will actually weigh more. But it's like such a tiny amount that you can't really... You can barely measure it. Um, but I'm not sure... Maybe, maybe what they're asking is how to create, how to turn energy back into matter, and yeah. actually make it stay. Yeah. So this is a very fascinating question, but it doesn't doesn't help with the Big Bang, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if the documentary would. I mean, sometimes they make a leap from there to say, therefore, this is how the Big Bang happened. Yeah, no, but it made me think. Like, you know, I was wondering. It's just. It's amazing what they're discovering about. Oh yeah. About um, the, the universe and and all these things. I mean. Even Einstein and, and time being relative and things like that it just like blows your mind. Like that's not how you're used to thinking of things. And then on a on a atomic level, um, things do crazy things. Um, like and and light is both a wave and a particle, and it's just like all this cool stuff. Yeah. Can I just say thank you because like I studied this 
similar field four years ago in university, and it was extremely clear back then. But then I read the two chapters, and I think I read them five times, and just was lost and completely confused by, by the written words there. And just when you explained it today, it was just like, yeah, okay, it's clear. Like, so thank you. Good. Because I'm like, I actually know this stuff, but it's like. Okay, good. So thank you. Good. I'm never going to try to explain it to anybody else. <laughs> but, but the beauty of it is they, most of them understand I'm it. Not to say, I'm not going to say that the world has an absolute starting point. Yeah. And they can research it. Yeah. God caused that to yeah. come into being. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. If you don't like it, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and just the tremendous beauty of it is, I mean, we're going to talk about this in three weeks about the creation evolution debate, but this is not Christianity versus science. This is Christianity using the best yeah. science there is mm -hmm. and the most exciting science and the cutting edge science. And it's like, I mean, yeah, do your theories on, yeah. on atoms coming into being and out of being. I mean, that's cool. That all proves that there must have been a beginning. Yeah. And so this is really... I mean, it's great proof, and it makes us look good, <laughs> which is also nice. That's what I love the most. But yeah. at this point, again, I would come back and argue with them that proves that the universe was created from God speaking to it into being. Yeah. yeah. That I forgot. That's where I wanted to yeah. go with this. So that's it's to say that then it proves someone that the world came to be because God spoke. Because it was so that's, quiet and intelligent and. So that's yeah. next week, is the teleological argument, the argument from design, that the initial conditions are fine-tuned to the pre a precision to which we don't have numbers big enough to express it. There's at least four different things that could have been different, how much entropy was in the universe, the strong and weak force of the atoms, uh, and a few other things that I can't remember, okay. that all needed to be perfect, yeah. perfectly fine-tuned, or else there would be no life. And so, again, this is just adding another proof of intelligence. So thank you all. You guys have been a great class. I think I'll end it here. Thank you. Can I, can I give you my phone? Okay, guys. Um, it looks like I, I assigned something that wasn't in the chapter. I don't know that he actually talks about a God of the Gaps. Okay. Um, you so could, You could define it for us. You sure. Try to use it. Or we could Google it. You could Google it. A God of the Gaps is... The idea is that scientific knowledge is progressing, and then you, you get to a point where you don't know, like, what does, what does thunder, what causes thunder? We don't know. God must have done it. So as science progresses, now we know about static electricity and, and atmospheric pressure and all that sort of stuff. So now that gap is closed, so we don't need God anymore. Mm -hmm. And so the argument is we should never uh, plug a gap in scientific knowledge with God. Right, right. And so people will, will you say the fine-tuning is a God of the Gaps argument because they're saying, well, we don't know why it's fine-tuned yet, but someday we're going to figure it out. Right. And I know Richard Dawkins made that argument, and he's, he's talking against Richard Dawkins in this chapter, but I guess he just didn't get to that. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe he said it in a different way. But that's, that's the idea of a God of the Gaps. I see. Sort of the danger of saying... I, I remember once being at a... Um, uh, cosmology class or whatever it was in Galland and that argument was sort of called out in terms of I had said oh but you know we don't know what creates life yeah 
And, and they very much were like, well, that's just because we don't know yet. Yes. One day we will. And I, I recognized that there were two things I could think of. One of which was, well. Do I have two questions or one question on God of the Gaps? Um, you said, two, why is fine-tuning argument not a God of the Gaps argument? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, that I could theoretically, what was that? Yeah, that, that, that making, saying, oh, we don't know this, therefore it must be God, is, I, I immediately recognized that that was a dangerous thing. Yeah. Because as soon as somebody knows it, they, they will take a logical leap, which probably is an accurate one, but they will take your premise. You know, we don't know what it is, therefore it is God. And then they will say, well, I can now attack that, and therefore your conclusion, therefore there is God, is thrown out. Yeah, and then they'll say, we know what caused it, therefore it wasn't God. Yeah, right. yeah. Whereas, I mean, just because you know how God did it, that doesn't mean that God didn't do it. Didn't do it, exactly. Yeah. And, and I suppose that's what they point to. Yeah. And the answer to the question, why is this not a, a God of the gaps, is that um, there's a difference between plugging a hole in an argument and saying the God, like, I mean, um, the, the best... I'm asking you to do a question that I can't phrase easily in my mind, but um, the evidence of this pushes towards an intelligent um, uh, non-space, non you know, all these things. So it's not just plugging a hole. We don't know why yet. You know, it's, it's saying the evidence is pushing us towards the, this. We see God's fingerprints on it, so to speak. Or we see some sort of design in it, and the best option we have for design is a personal being rather than chance. This class is very nice because it's actually allowing you to drift into the direction of going, hey, look at what the science is showing us about how the science isn't showing us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's such a relief to sort of be able to say, well, actually, the science isn't saying there is no God, the science yeah. saying that there is God. Yeah. And I don't necessarily have to come, you know, create a simplistic, you know. Is this for me? Yeah, but I want to talk to you before okay. I give it to you. Mm. Right. So, yeah, and thank you for even being able to approach this conversation without making me want to sort of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> well, my issue with this I mean, I, this is causing me anxiety and lack of sleep and stuff because I grew up in a really conservative six-day creation home. And I went to the only Bible school in Canada that, that has six-day creation in its doctrinal statement. And I would love to teach there one day. You know, and if I come out firmly not on for six-day, you know, I'm kind of... And my wife is very firmly six day, and, and she kind of freaks out when I. This is one of the. We don't, don't agree on on egalitarianism, and we don't agree on on six day, like uh, male female roles, headship, things like that. So those are two things that we we go back and forth on sometimes, and we've learned to accept one another. You know, but yeah, I mean it's. For me, it's just like I look at these issues and I know how passionate some people are about them. And then I listen to debates online and like the one like, I mean, Hugh Ross is a, a Christian that believes in an old earth. He believes in special creation, that God created the horses, God created the fish, God created the bacteria, God created man, everything specially, but just over a long period of time. And uh, the Hugh, uh, Kent Hovind, 
had a debate with him. He's an ardent six-day creationist. And at least six times in this debate, he called him a heretic and called him to question his faith. And he kept saying, like, I feel like I'm talking to a Mormon. Like, you say six days, but you don't really mean six days. And, like, how can you be a Christian? It was just like, even the moderator was getting in there, like, like you can't call somebody a heretic. Like, this is, you know, he listed all these other people that believe in an old earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's just, but I know that sort of attitude is out there, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do I really want to touch on this subject, you know? Well, exactly. It's, it's, that, uh, it's that polarizing Exactly that. You, you, you are straying from the faith if you yeah. even look in that direction. And my father and very people that I admire greatly, you know, this was the... And yet, and yet it's not that I, I'm being swayed or seduced. It's just that, you know, when they get out there and, you know, say, well... Carbon dating doesn't exist and telescopes don't really look good. That's, that's so frustrating, hey? But it's just, it's like, why are you saying that? You know? hey, the, that's something. It just makes me say, well, well then, what else are you saying that I can't believe? Yeah. You know? Or what else are you saying that, that is just like, believe this and, and check your brain at the door? Oh, it just gets me. Yeah. I know. So that's the demon I'm trying to overcome yeah, me before too. <laughs> two weeks from now. I, I came to this huge, I wrote my notes and I was just like freaking out, you know, because I basically felt like either there's six days or else you embrace evolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like William Lane Craig embraces evolution, C.S. Lewis does too, and, and some other people, but it's like, but then, you know, how do you deal with Romans 5, the death, sin came through one man, death through sin, and, and you know, all the stuff we said about natural evil being, you know, result of, of human mm-hmm. sin. You know, but there's a third option: is old Earth creationism that I just discovered like four days ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is that God created everything specially. Evolution mm-hmm. doesn't ha- didn't happen, mm-hmm. but He did it over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm just like, oh, there's a third way. Maybe mm-hmm. there's hope after mm-hmm. all. But do we even need? I mean, there seems to be um, a clinging to this idea that species can't change. And my question is. Why can't they? What What is there in faith that mm. says that that is problematic? Even if, I mean, you know, in other words, we were placed in a garden for com- communing with God. He made us in His image. We are we are profoundly other than the whole rest of creation um, for that very reason alone. I don't even mind, you know, if we came from apes before we ended up mm-hmm. in the garden. We're all dust, right? Yeah. We're, we're all dust. It's, you know, to me, the, the, the fascination and the, and the interest arrives at the point at which we are put in relationship with God. Yeah. You know, at that point, you know, great. It's sort of, to me, I, I don't even understand why we have to. Now, I find it fascinating that you're telling me that even evolution theory people say, how did this happen so fast? Yeah. Yeah. So that's fascinating. That's yeah. really cool. That, that, that's, and there's at least three great. problems. Like there's creation of life from non-life, mm-hmm. which is a hurdle they haven't come over yet. No. Irreducible complexity, mm-hmm. that there's biological structures mm-hmm. that are irreducibly complex. You can't... Like the eyeball. <laughs> the eyeball, but I think the, the, the battleground more is on a cellular level now, that oh. within the cells... I mean, there's a book uh, called Michael Behe, by Michael Behe called Darwin's Black Box that at the time of Darwin they thought cells were just these squiggly little things that did all this stuff, you know. Now with electron microscopes we can go down and 
at first we thought it was like a factory that all these things, you know, there's DNA creation, there's these little animals that move things around, there's little spaceships with propellers in them that move things around. And now it's like a city. There's cities with factories inside of mm-hmm. quote unquote simple life forms. Mm-hmm. So how did this just kind of plop into existence? Mm-hmm. It just it yeah. boggles the mind. Yeah. And it does boggle the mind. And I have no trouble at all with God creating things and them evolving. You yeah. know, it, that's sort of where my brain has landed is God created. And he may even have created specially everything like this. But but when we see, or and I don't even need evolution particularly, but that it's all very old and ancient, that things have come and gone, that there have been ice ages and, and, yeah. and non-ice ages, that, that entire e- ecological systems have advanced and retreated, that, you know, because God is so fantastically complex, mm-hmm. he's so, you know, why wouldn't it be that way, is my question. Why do we need to have such a simple God that he goes boom and it's all there, yeah. you know? He's... he's He's fabulous, but yeah. but that's actually a good point. That idea of the cities within the cities within the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. next week is gonna be a lot of fun. I almost skipped it because I really want to go to spend enough time on the Bible to prove the authority of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're like, because we skipped last week, I'm like yeah. squished. But it's gonna be so fun just yeah. to talk about. I mean, the initial conditions, but then, like, the Goldilocks conditions of the planet. Like, mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. unlikely that our planet is like it is. It's so unusual to all the other planets we observe. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the, the cities within the cities in, in mm-hmm. our cells. And there's cool little videos, hopefully, I can find on YouTube mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. show about that. And so it'll be fun. Anyhow, yeah, it's just so nice to be able to use this language without having people call you a heretic. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I, I the, or feeling this word, or just have to yeah. silent and go. You know, I honor you because of your faith. I honor you because you have authority. I, I choose to honor you and not to. Isn't it amazing? Like, I mean, I, I mentioned briefly about the emergent church and how, like, it got to a certain age, and I just like wanted to leave the church, and then I felt there were other options, and, and eventually kind of came back. But the whole reason that I felt so turned off was this whole fear culture mm-hmm. and control culture, and it's like. If, you know, we need to control the kids or else they're all going to turn into crazy liberals, you know, and it's like, and I was listening to this, you know, creation evolution stuff, it came up over and over and over. What about the kids? Look at the next generation. They're all backsliding. That's why we need to hold on to this six day creation thing. And I'm like, if you don't want your kids to rebel, then don't be so, don't, don't use fear. Don't use authority. Don't use power pack words like heretic to control people. I mean, that's the sort of thing that, that when kids get to a certain age, they're just like, forget that. Yeah. No, to hell with it all. No like, don't control me. Of inquiry. It shuts down yeah. the conversation. You are, it's the end of the road. Yeah. Oh. And, and, and it, it does this, you know, and it's not okay. This isn't how God wants us to live. No. You know, it isn't, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it, you're like, okay, we we reject the Big Bang, we, we reject, and you know, in this debate that I watched between Hugh Ross and, and Ken Hovind, he says, well, we can see the Big Bang, mm-hmm. you know, like what I just said, and he said, well, I don't believe it. Yeah, well, thanks. That's... Okay, well, like Dr. Uh, Hugh Ross, you know, he's, he's an astrophysicist, he's got a PhD, he studies this stuff, he reads all the papers, mm-hmm. and Ken Hovind, he's like, well, I'm a high school teacher, I, or I've taught high school trigonometry, and I know these things aren't so. Mm-hmm. It's an appeal to authority that's invalid. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't say, I'm an authority, therefore, you mm-hmm. know, you, you look at the evidence. And if you don't have the tools to look at the evidence, you say, candidly, I don't have the tools to look at the evidence. Mm-hmm. And either you take my word for it, I don't. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's so frustrating that they're just like, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, but you have to believe me and my crazy theories about 
the canopy yeah. theory, you know, there's all this water up there. How does it stay up there? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but it just does, you know, mm -hmm. and then the cause of the, the global flood, you know, and they have, well, there was an, an asteroid that flew past the planet and did all this mm -hmm. stuff and shook up all the continents and, and uh, Hugh Ross was like, well, have you asked any tectonic specialists about these theories? Yes. It's like, well, no, and it's like, well, you know, like you're, you're setting yourself up as your own authority on scientific matters, right, right. which is, is just so anti-science, you yeah. know, which yeah. is... And science, you know, when you come back to it, is the study of God's creation. People are going, look, look, you know, and, and it says we, he is evident through his creation. So we should really be going, wow, the world is X number of billion years old. How great is God? You know, the universe is like, really, that old? How great is God? You know, it's... It, it is it, the Goldilocks. How great is God? Yeah. You know, this should just show us God instead of going, well, this doesn't fit into my little box, and so therefore that I put God in, mm -hmm. and so therefore I need to run screaming from this. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, but. And then clamp down on everybody else. And then clamp down on everybody else. So that they don't yeah. think about it either. So they don't, so they don't look around and expand. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing I think is the worst, is the clamping mm -hmm. down, is the control. And that, this is what we get freaked out at Islam for their treatment of women, yeah. right? It's control. Yeah. Here are sets of things now. You women must put on these things to be controlled so that, you know, or so men don't have to look at you, whatever. It's this, it's this oppressive... Is it wrong to fire people? We are going to control how you think so that you will be saved, I suppose, is the yeah. idea. It's meant to be merciful. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, good good motivations, but... Yeah. I mean, the, I think what you're expressing is old is evolutionary creationism. Mm -hmm. um, uh, evolutionary creationism, okay. So then, well, we're going well, to talk about that in, in th another two weeks. And so then there's theological problems that we need okay. to... You know, address and, and deal with. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the. That's the next step. Is like, okay, well, if you, uh, like, like Bruxy Cavey said, like, how great is you know, you can worship God for creating everything in one day, but how much cooler God created a machine that did all this. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that. That's even cooler that God did it that way. Yeah. But then if you have sin, if you have death before sin, then you have a theological issue. Except that the Bible says death to man, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah. that would be the answer yeah. to that. But that would be the answer to that in terms of the evolution of everybody except us. Yeah, but um, then it depends on, because, you know, naturalists or like secular scientists would say that humanity is like 125,000 years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so even there you have an issue with, well, with if, Ad, if Adam was yeah. the first man, yeah, and you know, this many years, and there are all these people before him, or, or maybe Adam lived 125,000 years ago, but then how would his memory be passed on for 100,000 years without mm -hmm. the invention of writing? I mean, yeah, it's just kind of... So those are a bunch of big issues. But, yeah, but when, they, when they look at the, you know, the actual timeline from Adam to thing, when they actually do the math and do the count up the generational things, there's writings and things in China, I believe, that predate that. In other mm -hmm. words, they can, they can document civilization prior yeah. to that. So... You know, yeah, civilization is definitely older than 6,000 years, years old. according yeah. to, I mean, that, that's where six-day creationism just keeps running into more and more and more difficulties because, yeah. you know, even Egyptian civilization, I mean, even Augustine knew in mm -hmm. the third, fourth century that Egyptian civilization is older than 6,000 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. we're talking, to me, we're talking about 
the relationship with God to man, his choosing to come in. So this beautiful, awesome creation, everything like this, and his, his, his choosing to begin the mighty salvation story that the entire earth and universe were created to <laughs> yeah. to embody. Here's, it's got its beginning too, and it's 6,000 years ago. Great, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't necessarily have to say, therefore, nothing existed prior to that, yeah. you know. But yeah. it's, it's all very, very complex. Mm-hmm. I think she wants to talk to me. I'm oh, not yes. sure she oh, has to run. Yes. No, that, don't be Thank sorry, please. <laughs> Professor. Yes. I have to tell you. Yes. I had a very interesting conversation with my dad. Yeah. I'm a Christian since 1983. Uh-huh. And uh, I was just asking him casually, you know, uh, are you still going to church? Are you still reading your Bible? Because we butt heads a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he reads the Bible just to argue with me. Anyway, so I didn't come to do defensive with him. Yeah. Anyways, so with the way you're bringing us to use our brains, which <laughs> is different, uh, we started to argue about the historicity of Jesus and the resurrection. Okay. And I was actually reading this book, uh, the okay. Rabbi Jesus, and mm-hmm. how uh, also all the things that you said in class for us to read, we're reading it, you know, and looking at, at it, and I told my dad about what I had discovered recently in class, mm. because I'm reading, because I'm researching, to to know what to say in defense of my faith. And at, at the end of my explanation of my discoveries of the historical reasons and the fact that resurrection was proven by the testimony of so many people, he told me at the end, well, then I guess I believe. <gasps> wow. Exactly. This is my dad. My dad. Oh, my dad. <laughs> wow. I, I was totally like taken by surprise. I was just waiting for him to counter argue everything I just told him, and he didn't do that. Oh, and he goes, well, when you're talking to me like that with your brain, he goes, yeah, okay, then I believe. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to thank my teacher. <laughs> Thank wow. you. Well, thank you for thank telling you. me. Oh my goodness. You like it? Is it good? Uh, I-